Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it and happy November to you. It is the 1st of November 2023. Happy Wednesday, hump day, all that good stuff. I'm Derek Hunter. I'm your Mr. Rourke for the next, I don't know, it's probably going to be pretty short because I got a giant bag of candy I got to get to. It's pretty late and uh, we're back from trick-or-treating. The girls are decompressing in the tub in the master, the, I'm sorry, I can't say that anymore, in the primary suite in the home. We have a big tub. The only thing missing are jets in the tub. Need jets in that tub. But uh, anybody got a good jets in the tub guy? But um, they're in there relaxing, warming up, as they put it, from the cold. And Bailey's like complaining about how itchy she... Whenever she gets outside and does anything strenuous for a five-year-old, it's, ah, I'm so itchy. My legs are itchy. My this is itchy. My that is itchy. And like, ugh. You just want to take a bath. Just just say it. Stop being so dramatic. But, you know, girls. Quinn was the miraculous ladybug for Halloween. And Bailey was Ariel. I, I guess I'll post a picture at uh, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast of the girls in their costumes. Most of the costumes, Bailey look, took her red wig off that came with the, the costume about halfway through because it's too damn hot even though it's cold, and Quinn lost the uh, mask and gloves. Not really sure why the gloves, because then she was complaining that her hands were cold, but she wouldn't put the gloves back on. But uh, they got some loot. I remember, when, I remember when I was a kid, I started off with the best of, well, not the best of intentions, but the best of, the biggest ambitions you could possibly imagine. My friend Kevin and I used to go out, and uh, I was just in my old neighborhood. I was on my old porch trolling around. Actually, I, maybe I'll post some pictures of the old house too. But uh, we, because uh, I, I took pictures inside the windows. It's amazing. We were in the garage and uh, somebody says, the garage is huge. The garage was actually bigger than the house. The house was 20 feet by 20 feet. And uh, there were seven of us that lived in there with one bathroom. I never remember having to pee, like having to like go in the yard to pee. And then uh, we're in the garage, and it's, uh, the garage is huge. It was empty, and we were inside it. But the garage was 22 by 22. My dad built that garage. So he uh, would not have been pleased. It was not clean. They're, reha- they're rehabbing it. Nobody lives there anymore. It's a rental house now. But uh, that's why we were able to like take pictures in the window and stuff, at least of the first floor. But it was pretty cool and pretty nostalgic and pretty sad to uh, see the state of the house. But we'll see. They're trying to apparently they're trying to get fifteen hundred dollars a month for the house to rent it. And I was like, are you kidding me? Because my parents bought that house in nineteen sixty three for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> I think their monthly payment was like forty dollars a month or something like that. It was like ridiculous, ridiculous, and they barely could make that. But that was, I mean, times have definitely, definitely changed. So, uh, but as a kid, we'd set out, me and Kevin, Kevin Whitman, his wife just friended me on Facebook. I don't think he's on Facebook. But um, if he somehow listens, weird, I got a note from my friend John. Hey, hey, John, what's up? Who told me that he, I haven't talked to John in years. I could tell some stories, but don't worry, John, I won't. At least not yet. 
Uh, but uh, he, he, he listens. A guy I've known years from Heritage. He listens to the podcast. You're like, oh my God, it's so weird who listens and, and when and why and how you find it and all that stuff. It's super cool. But uh, Kevin and I would set out soon as the streetlights started flirting with coming on. And we'd set out with a pillowcase. Now, I never had a king-sized pillow or king-sized bed or king-sized pillowcase. Just a normal pillowcase. And you think, well, this isn't that big. It fits a pillow. And it's just a regular pillow. We could fill this thing up. And Kevin and I would literally run from house to house to house back when we had energy to do such things. And we would barely make a dent in that pillowcase it'd be heavy as hell but we get like a quarter of the way in and that's a ton of can you don't realize the volume of a pillowcase so we never came close to filling the thing i also remember being pissed off when people would give pennies one thing i'll say is nobody's given change anymore i don't think there was one person who gave my kids change today but there was always somebody who gave you pennies and for some reason they some people decided to tape like five pennies. To, it wasn't enough that they're just giving you a nickel. It give you a sense of the neighborhood I grew up in, that they're giving you a nickel, but that they they get the scotch tape out and they tape five pennies. They don't give you a nickel. They couldn't go to the bank and get a roll of nickels. They had to get rolls of pennies. And then instead of just, you know, grabbing five or maybe accidentally six or four or whatever, they counted out meticulously five cents each. And would give you pennies taped together. Now you you get a nickel sometimes. Every once in a while you get a quarter. That was about the most I ever got was a quarter. But by the end of the night, you could end up with like a dollar fifty or something. You get a couple packs of baseball cards for that. It was a pretty sweet deal. I'm never going to turn down money. But we ran around, and then we weren't allowed. We were allowed to have one piece of candy when we got home. I mean, we ate the hell out of it because it was me and Kevin running around the neighborhood when we got home. Had one piece of candy, and then the candy was taken to McDonald's to be x-rayed, just to be safe. Because it was a time when people were putting razor, they weren't, somebody did, or there were reports of somebody putting a pin and a, or a needle inside a Snickers bar or something like that. And so they had to x-ray the candy. And it was a common thing. You could take it to the police station, and they'd run it in a metal detector over it. All those sorts of things that had, now they don't seem to do that anymore. I don't think people have gotten better. In fact, I know people haven't gotten better. But it's good, I guess, that we don't have to do that anymore. It's not even in the news anymore, although I am going to. I have the candy sitting in a, a grocery bag on the counter while the kids are in the bath. I will inspect it all before I give it to the girls and anything homemade, anything wrapped up, anything kind of weird or whatever, will get the uh, the old heave-ho. Thankfully, my girls are so wildly picky when it comes to candy. They eat chocolate. They eat Hershey's chocolate, plain Hershey's chocolate. And they eat uh, like a Hershey's Kiss. They eat uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. And that's really about it. It's tough to get them to try. You force them to try it. They fight you. They fight you. Is that good? Yeah, it's okay. It's good. I like it. Do you want more? It's not my favorite. And then they never touch it again. Such a picky, picky first world group of kids. Anyway, let's get on with the story. Nobody needs to hear about my, well, if I sound a little stuffed up, 
that's why is walking around in the cold and then uh, that just happens with the uh, the boogers as the girls put it i have boogers in my nose as they say <clears throat> um the war in israel rages on and the war on college campuses rages on and the war in the democratic party rages on and nobody seems to have any idea what to do about it because none of those groups of people want to take a principled stand because the only principled stand, honestly, to take is with Israel. With it, Instead, you get Medea Benjamin. I don't know how Medea Benjamin makes it into a freaking congressional hearing. Like, who the hell lets Medea Benjamin of Code Pink, if Code Pink, I don't even know if she, what she does. Somebody, Somebody's paying this woman where she's independently wealthy because she seems to get arrested for a living. But she's in there disrupting a congressional hearing, whining about stop funding Israel, stop funding aid, stop funding the war, blah, 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 blah. None of them seem to have a problem with the monsters in Iran funding terrorism. They have no problem with the act of terrorism. They have no problem with a terrorist group, nothing. They simply don't give a damn about that. It's once Israel hits back, then suddenly it's horrible. Now, it's kind of funny because if Israel had just decided to bomb the hell out of Gaza and then the uh, Hamas was like, we will seek our revenge, we will kill your children, we will da, 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 there would be no, my God, can you believe? Look, we need a ceasefire. We need to calm things down. There would be no concern whatsoever with, well, there is no concern now with Hamas killing civilians, killing Jews. The left hates Jews. That's just how I don't understand it. I really don't. Maybe there's some historical weird bastardization of reality explanation for it, but I've not been able to find one. It just goes back to the beginning of time. They've always been a tiny ethnic minority, and people have been hating them, using them as scapegoats, and wanting to kill them for centuries for no good reason. No good reason. They can, it's weird because you get, you know, the trans community in the United States, which has it pretty damn good. There's an entire political movement catering to them, loving them, doing everything they can to suck up to them. And they talk as though they're just this side of having the crap beat out of them every single day. When the worst thing that happens is, oh my goodness, somebody doesn't want to use my preferred pronouns. Or somebody thinks that my uh, penis bulges through this dress a little too much and thinks I'm not really a woman. Like that's, that's not oppression. That's not anybody trying to exterminate you. 90 plus percent of the murders, I'd put it around 98% of the murders that involve trans people, involve other trans people, involve drugs and or prostitution. All of those things. It's not a, a mentally healthy group of people. It's not to justify murder. Nothing justifies murder. But we have to be honest about what's going on. Yet you don't hear about it. You just hear a trans woman was killed. Horrible situation. Then the next day, you find out why, and you don't get that reported. And it's why? Because a, a drug deal went sideways. Or a prostitution deal that also involved drugs went sideways. It's kind of important. But if you leave that detail out, you can say, this is a hate crime, this group of people are targeted, it's just wrong, it's horrible, it's terrible. If you leave that detail in, you go, these people have a whole lot of underlying mental health issues that perhaps somebody 
who professes to give a crap about these people like the left does constantly might want to look into helping them from it. No, no, they don't. They don't. Let me tell you, you can think you're changing the world and making somebody's life a hell of a lot better because you make sure that you police your friends into using the correct pronouns for whatever they've made up on that given day for somebody. But if at the end of the day, there's still a depressed, suicidal, mentally challenged drug abuser who can't get a handle on their depression, your little meaningless virtue signaling gesture of making sure you use Z-Zero pronouns means nothing in the grand scheme of things. In fact, you're just another brick in the wall. The wall is getting higher because it's taking longer for them to get around to addressing their problems. And in fact, they may never address their problems if everyone indulges their delusions. Just throwing it out there, people. I know I'm a heartless jerk, but I'm comfortable with that. Somebody has to throw some cold water in the face of reality, don't they? Anyway... Back to the war in the Middle East. Now, all these other groups are flirting with possibly invading, possibly declaring war on Israel, etc., etc. You've got a whole bunch of... I tell you, having lived in Dearborn, I told you yesterday, having had a bunch of Lebanese guys in my classes, and I thought that I got along with them just fine. When as soon as the issue of Israel came up, they got pissed. You see what's going on, with what happened the other day in Russia when somebody, a whole group of assholes, frankly, went chasing after a plane from Tel Aviv wanting to get the Jews because they were Muslims trying to get the Jews. You're like, what the hell? Nobody, thankfully, was gotten. And honestly, the police probably should have shot some people if they'd gotten any close, uh, at all close to harming somebody. But that happens all the time. Have you ever heard of a group of Jews chasing down anybody, ever. No, you haven't. I haven't. Why is one acceptable and one never happen, but the one that never happens is treated as though it's the norm and the left soils themselves with outrage at the concept of something that doesn't happen? Why is that? How is that? How does that happen? It doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't have to make any sense because the left hates Jews. I guess in that sense, it doesn't make sense. The left hates Jews. The left hates Israel. So they've made a calculated decision. The committed progressive Jews that they have, and the progressives are progressives no matter what, they aren't going anywhere. They are not going anywhere. They might feel a little bit uncomfortable in, in some cocktail parties on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. They might feel a little bit weird in their tenure-track positions at various universities, but they'll get past it because this will pass, this will fade, and there will be other progressive causes that they will be on board with. Progressives are progressives first and foremost. The casual Democrat, I don't know how any... Jew can be a casual Democrat anymore, ever. Even non-practicing Jews who like live for bacon. I don't see how they can do that because the Democrats are showing that when the chips aren't even down, the chips are just near down, the chips are hovering close to down, 
they will absolutely positively turn on you in a heartbeat. You are expendable. You are unnecessary. You are irrelevant. You are an inconvenience when the chips are down, when they finally do get down. How you can stick with that party, I don't know. I don't know. But if all of these other entities, if we had a president with some testicular fortitude, if we had a president with some content in the front of his underpants rather than the back, he should throw down the gauntlet. He's got enough troops in the area. He should throw some more in there and say, look, Hezbollah and Iran, if you guys decide to really go full bore against Israel, we are coming after you. We're coming after you where you live. We're not coming after you where you're launching rockets from, although we'll blow the hell out of that too. We're going to come after you in the cushy confines of your luxury hotels, just like we're going to go after the people who run Hamas from Doha. We shouldn't be, they should not be releasing videos from a five-star resort a thousand miles away. They should be dead or at least in custody. You can't trust them to go to The Hague to be put on trial for war crimes because those war crimes were committed against Jews. And quite frankly, Europe, it's an iffy proposition. These people, this makes me wish we had people like Jason Bourne, had people like James Bond, people like Tom Cruise, whatever the hell his name is, in uh, Mission Impossible, although he wouldn't be the assassin. He stops bad things from happening. We need somebody we can send in to kill bad people. I know there's an executive order that says assass political assassination is wrong. Rescind it. It's a stupid executive order. It was a feel-good executive order. It was a posturing, virtue-signaling, garbage executive order, I think, put in place by Jimmy Carter. It should just be ripped to shreds. Go, you know what? We're going to do? leave the world guessing. We're going to do a lot of things. We're going to do whatever we have to do to exterminate bad people from the earth, make the world a better place by subtraction. And then go after these people. If suddenly you wake up and you go, oh my God, the five top leaders of Hamas decided to swan dive off of the uh, 60th floor of their hotel room in, in, uh, in Dubai. That's weird. What a strange coincidence. So be it. That message will have been sent. It's weird because they always say, well, you love life. We love death. You'll never win. It's weird because those people who say that, those people who espouse that, sure do a hell of a lot to avoid death. For somebody who loves death, you do an awful lot to avoid it. You know, I love steak. I don't try to avoid steak, all right? <laughs> I don't, I because I love steak. If I loved death, I would probably not try to avoid death. But like when the roaches scramble when you turn the lights on in the kitchen, these people scramble to high ground, to bunkers, to body doubles, to everything they can to make sure that they stay alive. I question their commitment to death. Well, I think we should do all we can to help them on their way. They've got 72 virgins sitting there waiting for them, and nothing should stand between them and an eternity with sexually inexperienced ugly women covered up by pillowcases. Right? Am I right? Is that mean? Probably. Anyway, lastly, I want to, I want to play you some audio of Gavin Newsom because I just want to show you the progressive mindset when it comes to really just about everything. 
But in particular, in this case, China. China over there. Gavin Newsom went and played president and uh, met with Xi Jinping and a whole bunch of Chinese uh, muckety-mucks. And he was trying to... He's, he's running a shadow campaign for president. That's all he's got. He's got so little in his life, except for really great hair. And he came back, and a reporter brought up with him how... Now, very casually how he did not bring up human rights with Xi Jinping. What you're going to hear is Gavin Newsom tossing a one-minute-long word salad, a zero-calorie word salad. It means absolutely nothing. He says absolutely nothing without shutting up at all. It's really kind of amazing that somebody could string this together. It reminds me, like I said, in high school, when there was an essay question and you'd fill up the page with an answer when like the smart kid wrote like two sentences because that's all it called for. You probably only do it in one easily. But uh, he just throws everything out there, hoping that the teacher gets confused and realizes or forgets what the question is or thinks maybe somebody had uh, answered properly, maybe the partial credit or something like that. But that's how Gavin Newsom works. And ultimately, he gets around to saying when asked about human rights abuses in China, that he doesn't care. He cares more about climate change than he does the Uyghur genocide. That is the part, you know why? Because standing up against the genocide of the Uyghur Muslims does absolutely nothing to empower government. Does absolutely nothing to empower progressive government. Doesn't help anybody, anywhere, anything. In fact, most of the progressive fundraisers they kind of, uh, well, they, a lot of them use that forced Uyghur labor. It's kind of a funny thing. You know, well, they we're totally against slavery, but you can't beat the, uh, the hourly rate. So, you know, as long as it's there, it's there. He says he cares more about climate change than he does human rights abuses. It's really kind of shocking that he admits it, but, you know, here he is. You didn't bring up the issue of human rights directly to President Xi. You brought it up to the foreign minister. You and know, the vice president. You know there are folks on both the left and the right who are disappointed by that. You <laughs> clearly made a strategic choice to do that. What was your thinking there? Well, with the foreign minister, it was in the meeting with Xi. I spent an hour with the foreign minister, uh, and that was the appropriate venue on the basis of the conversations I had with the State Department and on the basis of the fact that that would be a better place to communicate a more nuanced and detailed explanation of our points of view on the issue of human rights and democracy, on issues related to Taiwan, issues related to international uh, and foreign policy more broadly. Uh, and we took the limited time we had with Xi, which we were told would be just 20 minutes. And we had the opportunity to extend it to 45. And I didn't want to miss the opportunity in those 20 minutes to reinforce the reason I was there. Not as President of the United States, not as Secretary of State, but as a governor of one of the largest states and one of the largest economies in the world to focus on low carbon green growth. And I didn't want to miss that opportunity and moment to influence this foundational agenda, which is bigger than any situational agenda in our lifetime. I mean, is some of the thinking, if you do that, he goes like this and he's not open to anything nope. else? I had an opportunity to talk about the most important issue in our lives. It's the most important issue. Everything else is situational. This is the most sustainable issue. It's changing everything. And what happens is our mind gets so short-fused on the situation that we miss this foundational shift in our lives. It's changing geopolitical politics, changing the way we live, 
the change the way we breathe, changing our health patterns, changing our wealth patterns, changing migration around the world. There's no more consequential issue in the world today, long and medium term, and increasingly short term, than the issue of climate change, as important as all those other issues are. Everything else is inconsequential. Everything else is situational. Situa uh, genocide, human rights abuses, the enslavement of a billion, three people. All of that is situational. So that's how, how can you sit there and you go, how can, they, how can anybody say that? Well, because Gavin Newsom would love to do that here. Democrats, progressive Democrats would love to do that here. The only thing standing between them and the progressive utopia is we stupid Americans with our free will and our concept and love of you know, liberty, individual liberty, the concept of rugged individualism. That's the only thing preventing them from achieving their utopia, meaning you, me, and everybody listening to this and everybody who agrees with us. We're the problem to them because we prevent them from doing what they want to do. They can look at a genocide and go, yeah, whatever. I don't really care about that as long as you promise to cut down a coal-fired power plant. China will sit there and pinky swear till the cows come home, whatever you need them to in order to help them facilitate whatever it is they want facilitated. That's it. There's no enforcement mechanism in most of these agreements. They're exempt because somehow they're considered a third world country. Blah, blah, blah. They technically are, I suppose. But it is uh, ridiculous that you can exempt them. And then you still go over there and kiss the ring. I won't say what kind of ring or where the ring is worn. Kiss the ring and come home and go, yeah, but still, who cares about that? It's not really all that important. What's more important is the weather 100 years from now. Sorry, Uyghurs, you probably won't exist anymore then, but we will have prevented a possible slightly longer growing season. Um, yeah, and a possible slightly shorter ski season. You know, you're welcome. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the torture on the way to death. The Democratic Party, ladies and gentlemen. That is enough for today. I got to go pick through candy and uh, make sure that, uh, well, I can probably throw most of it away, but we'll see. Anyway, have a great November. We'll get through it together. Don't forget patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. I will post a picture of the girls up there and uh, maybe some pictures of the house I grew up in. So check that out. Comment on it. All that good stuff. I'll see you guys tomorrow.